0: Okay, I'm here at the uh, Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce
1: yourself? Hi, I'm uh, Dave Gilbert, and I own Wadged Games. Yeah, and um, so what does Wadged Games do? Uh, we do point-and-click adventures
0: uh, for now. That's what we're focused on. And um, so, you know, you did an interview a while back, a few years ago. Um, what's changed since then?
1: Well, back then, uh, I f- it was when I first got a publishing deal with Play First. Um, we did a game called Emerald City Confidential that came out in 2009. Uh, since then, I've released uh, another game in the Blackwell series, a game called Puzzle Bots, written by Aaron Robinson, and just last week, a game called Gemini Roo, uh, designed by Josh Nuremberger. And, um, you know, how did, the, how did
0: the casual audience respond to the whole adventure game? You know, because it was kind of relatively new when you, when you were trying to do an adventure game for a casual audience. What did you learn from the experience?
1: Uh, it was <laughs> I learned a lot. It was interesting because it was the first time they actually had they put one of my games in front of actual user testers. They brought people in. Um, I think the the big issue was that I kind of come from the old school of adventure game design, where the where the first hour of, of gameplay is usually the the slowest and uh, I hate to say it, the most boring because you're being introduced to the world and the characters and and so on. You have some you know gentle puzzles to kind of get you into it, and then um, so it tends to be the slowest but in the casual marketing model, the first hour has to be the most dynamic and exciting because uh, at the end of that hour is when they choose to buy and a lot of the uh, the casual players, when they played Emerald City, they found it too hard and and uh, even, even though we did make it simple, they found it too hard and too boring and too slow um, simply because that's what I was used to in terms of making adventure games And um, they don't either, they also don't like getting stuck. Uh, as soon as they're stuck on a puzzle, even if it's a simple one, uh, they would give up and. Um they would not buy the game, and the big issue there was, okay, we can't let anybody, no one can get stuck, no one can get stuck. So even the most simple puzzles had to be, within that first hour, had to be dumbed down to the point where, I hate to say dumbed down, but simplified, let's say simplified, simplified to the point where uh, the game practically played itself, and since, therefore, it took less time to get past, that to get to that uh, first hour, uh, that first hour was extended, and so we had to pare down the bit that was that came after that, so uh, the game ended up kind of playing itself by the by the end, uh, which kind of is a shame. I do think that the the story and the characters do do hold up, but I think that the the adventure game players who were looking for a meteor experience were left a little bit disappointed.
0: Yeah, um, and then after that, I guess there have been some some successful adventure games in the casual games industry. Can you talk about that and maybe what they did differently that you noticed that? Created them to, or allowed them to have a success.
1: Oh sure. Well, um, Playfish themselves did a game called Avenue Flow, which they took the lessons they learned from Emerald City and they made something that really appealed more to their uh, their casual audience. Uh, and uh, I know Andrew Goulding uh, did a game called Jolly Rover, uh, which really kind of hit hit the hit that nice fine line between casual players and hardcore adventure game players, and, and made both of them very happy. And he also worked on Emerald City. He did the programming, so he he had firsthand front row. Receipts of, uh, of how to do that. So he he really took that and, and went uh, really took it to the next level. So where do you see?
0: Um So since then, you know, you've focused on your own games and publishing other people's adventure games. I mean, what have you learned since then about designing adventure games? Um, What's changed, uh, and how are you approaching your design differently when it comes to adventure games?
1: In a way, it was kind of freeing, because uh, at the time, the whole casual thing was so big, and that seemed to be where my audience was. Um, But one thing I realized, the more I tried to make my games more casual or fit that market the worse they actually did in the casual market and if anything, it's not so much what I learned, but what I de-learned I kind of feel a little bit more free kind of focusing more on what my what I like, what the kind of games that I want to make, the kind of games that I want to play because that seemed, those are the ones that there's no coincidence that the games that I want to play and the, game, the games that I make uh, that are focused more on lines more in line I'm completely babbling here are you going to edit this later? it doesn't matter the games that I make that are more in line with what I like yeah. tends to be the games that sell better yeah. by an amazing coincidence so uh, it's kind of been very freeing so I'm focused I'm not, no longer thinking about what will sell because whenever I do think about that it never sells well yeah. so uh, I, I'm, it's a lot uh, it's been a very freeing experience because now it's like I'm just going to go do whatever the heck I want and it just worked better for me yeah. well
0: here's a question for you what's um, what's been I guess your favorite game
1: so far of mine or um, I mean that you made for your oh um weirdly enough I guess still the Shiva the very first one Uh, is that your best seller I
0: mean what's is there a correlation what I'm Really trying to get as is there a correlation between the game that you're most excited about and the best selling? game?
1: Well, the it didn't sell the most by any means. It, it's very short and it's very, um, it, it's very very low res. Uh, it didn't sell the most, but it certainly is what got the most attention, and that kind of spearheaded um, it spearheaded my company really. And it's really hard to say what was my favorite because, uh, like with with any any creator in creation, everything you've done previously always. Sucks, but the next one's going to be awesome. So I say the one I'm working on now, Blackwell Deception, that's going to be awesome. Everything else before sucks. But if I had to fix something, I could say, um, I guess Blackwell Unbound would probably be my favorite because um, we just, uh, it was done completely on the cheap. Uh, and We just kind of made it in four months and, and got it out there. And uh, It seems to be the one game, one of my games that people like the most. And it was the one I had the most fun working on. Uh, I don't think that's coincidence, really. And um, so, yeah, I'd say Blackwell Unbound if I had to choose. Um, Yeah, and any other things that you've considered when it comes to adventure
0: games? Are you just trying to publish the games on your own site? Are you trying to promote your own site? Or are you trying to also develop on other
1: platforms like iPhone, Android, stuff like that? That, I hope, is coming. A lot of people ask me about the iPhone and iPad and and stuff like that, but I'm I'm not really a programmer. I use third-party tools like Adventure Game Studio to make my games and that's very solidly PC only. And unless I want to take the time out to create another engine, which would take time to make, money to make, and a lot of effort. Um, or I could just make it an AGS, Adventure Game Studio, and get it out. It's PC only, but at least the games get made. So, um, my wife is working on an engine right now. She's, she's the programmer. Uh, and she's, she's working on an engine for a game we want to make. Uh, that's going to take, uh, take a while. And in the meantime, uh, I'm just going to keep making games in Adventure Game Studio. Yeah. Uh, and, and how is, is the adventure game market
0: growing? Um, or expanding in your mind, or is it shrinking? What's what's the
1: status? It's interesting. I mean, the, the if there's anyone at the forefront of it, it's Telltale. They um, are kind of, If you play their games, they really um, kind of. Really focus on what makes adventure games fun, and that is like the story and the characters and the situations and uh, and all of that. And the the games I wouldn't say are particularly challenging; they do have their moments. But that's the thing about adventure games: no matter how simple you make a game, there's going to be someone who's stuck on a puzzle. Uh, there's going to be if no one likes being stuck, and I think. With games now, especially adventure games now, um, with walkthroughs five seconds away, you alt tab out, go to Google, and you can get the answer. There's really no reason to be stuck in adventure games anymore. There's no reason to force the player to be stuck on puzzles because. They don't have to be stuck. They could just go to Google. So why not just make the experience fun, and make the actual experience of playing the game pleasant and interesting, rather than say, "Ha, no, you're going to be stuck on a puzzle now. Guess, guess how to solve it." Um, so a lot of adventure games now have a lot of hints and gentle nudges kind of incorporated in the game, and I incorporate those as well in my stuff.
0: Um, so adventure games are really are used to be really popular with kids. Are you looking into doing kids adventure games?
1: Well, no. <laughs> I, I, the, the, I don't I don't know if they're popular with kids exactly. Um, that was a problem I had with Puzzlebots, where uh, the game kind of looks like a kids' game when you look at it, and it, it was it had a lot of trouble finding an audience because of that. You look, They look at it and they say, oh, this is for kids. I feel too old to be playing this game. The people who play it still love it. It's it's a great game. It's just, at first glance, it looks like it should be for kids. A lot of people say that about Zelda. It's hard for older audiences to start playing Zelda unless they had played it before because they're kind of embarrassed if someone walks in the room and see them playing with colorful fairies and stuff like that. It just looks very kiddy. So I wouldn't say adventure games are for kids. Um, in fact, I'd say the exact same Opposite, at least for um, the the more mainstream audience that I'm trying to reach, uh, and I've, I've learned that lesson also with uh, Gemini Rue, which was definitely not for kids. It's really grim and gritty and noirish, and it really resonated more with the old school hardcore gamers, and it, not just adventure gamers, but it, it seemed to reach an audience beyond the typical adventure game market, which uh, taught me a lesson definitely that um, you don't need to you don't need to talk down to the audience at all. So.
0: Um, you know how is the whole husband wife programming pair development pair
1: how does how's that work it's awesome uh... you hear that janet <laughs> no um... it's it's been great uh, it's we work from home uh, together and it's it's nice to have a real partner um, to uh... to work with um, she's Got all the technical skills that I just do not have, uh, and she she keeps me very grounded. Whenever I want to add features, like she's been in the industry longer than I have, and she's just like, no, don't do feature creeps. So she, uh, it, it works very well. It's I guess it's, it's kind got of up. it's it's tightened up or strengthened strengthened yeah. the relationship. I say definitely. We work uh, we work very well together. Um, we work on our like I said, she's working on an engine for a game we want to do right now. She's handling all the technical support emails for Gemini Roo that I obviously can't handle because I'm here. And and it's 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 been great it's been really great and what about
0: um publishing other people's games how's that going
1: uh it's it's going really well um i really like doing it it's one thing i have learned is that publishing someone else's game my my original goal was that i would publish other people uh to kind of help finance my own stuff as well but I learned that publishing other games sometimes takes just as much time and effort uh, than I, that I put into my own. So my own stuff gets pushed back. on uh, My current Blackwell game, I had wanted to get out a couple of months ago, but um, obviously that couldn't happen because I was I was very much focused on getting Gemini Rue out. Uh, it's I've done two ga- I published two games so far. Um, I published two games written by others. Aaron Robison's PuzzleBots and Josh Nuremberger's Gemini Rue. Uh, PuzzleBots, uh, as I said before, had a bit of trouble finding an audience. So that, there was a bit of risk in that. Um, it didn't do that well. We managed to... We're in the black now, which is good. Uh, it found an audience on Steam, which is great. Uh, Gemini Rue, on the other hand, is doing really well. Uh, it's breaking all records. So, I mean, in that, in that case... Uh, so it's, it's bitter him hit or hit or miss. I think with... Um, It's always risky, but I love being able to publish other people's games. I like being, you know, kind of the the indie adventure game portal, uh, because nothing like that exists. And it's nice having that... uh, I guess having a nice back catalog of stuff it 's nice having more stuff on the site and that 's what I really like whether the game does well or not its I like being able to support other people and I mean both of them are doing so well now just, they 've just taken this and springboarded it to, to bigger and greater things and uh, i 'm so proud of both of them it 's really, it's really gratifying to be able to, to be able to do that yeah and
0: um, you know, I found you through a PR firm, so you're one of the indies that actually does take marketing more seriously. How's that working out? And you know, what suggestions do you have
1: for other smaller game developers who are trying to get noticed, trying to establish themselves? Well, it was one thing I noticed. I realized I needed help after Puzzle Bots because I realized that it wasn't the uh, the audience that. Um, Like I said, it was more of a a kids game, and so my first thought was, okay, I guess we got to market this to kids. I don't know anything about marketing to kids, and I just realized that I had just made so many mistakes in in selling it because uh, I just didn't know how to sell the game, and then I realized I need to get someone on board who can help me do that, and I just shopped around. I found Emily, uh, and she just has really... Uh, she knows adventure games, and she has a pedigree. She has like press relations. She just knows everybody, and she's very reasonable. Um, a lot of people say you don't need help. That is totally possible to sit down and, and do it yourself, but or I, using social media and stuff yeah. like that. So why? And I do, and I definitely do use that. But I, I think the advice I'd give to anyone is that if you have any weakness anywhere, and for me, the weakness was definitely the like, the marketing and sales stuff. I mean, the fact that I've managed to survive for like five years with uh, just on um, pure word of mouth. I, I, uh, is, is astounds me that I, that I managed to do it. And um, I think if you have a weakness anywhere, uh, getting someone to make up for that is uh, is more than worth it. I mean, if you aren't very good at marketing and networking and all that, get someone to help you. If you're not very good with one aspect, get someone to help you if you can.
0: But is it worth the cost? I mean, when you're initially doing stuff, that, that
1: costs a lot of money. Um, it depends. Uh, for me, it's been really worth it. It's been really worth it. Um, the, the game that uh, I just released, Gemini, was doing astoundingly well. And also, it's the uh, strength of the product as well. I mean, if you think the product is good, if the people who play your, your game like it, and it's just a matter of getting the word out. And uh, it, like I said, any any money you spend is going to be a risk. And I just thought, oh, I'll give this woman a try and she was great and so i'm going to definitely use her again as often as i can uh... so yeah there is there is a bit of money you have to spend but that's the case with anything really i mean you want you want to make it nicer looking you have to spend money on it you wanna have fancier programming you gotta either spend time or money on it And i, I guess time is money and yeah. that's cliche and i figured well you know i'm going to be i i would be spending all this extra time doing all the sales and marketing that would cost me in the end so why not just pay someone to have it to get it to get it done right away so that's how I felt about it um so you know you mentioned Gemini Roos
0: success can you talk about why it is successful and you know you're saying it's breaking all records why is that aside from the marketing and the PR what else?
1: well it's very very good um when uh, it's funny because I almost uh, I almost blew it with Josh he he approached me with the game and I was busy with puzzle bots and a second game from for play first and I just had no time to uh, to give it any attention and I, I told him no and then he approached me again after the igf and I, I had time then so I said yes so you know I almost didn't pick it up at all but uh, I think it's it's something that really resonates with as I said old school gamers uh, it's got that noirish blade runner vibe that I think resonates just it just hits a hits a button. It it rubs people in all the right ways. I can It really rubbed me the right way when I when I played it. Um, I mean, me and my wife, we sat down to play it, and we were up till like two in the morning, and we went to bed. We woke up. And the first thing we did was play it some more uh, until we finished it. I mean, we really really liked it, and I just. It's it's got that something. It's hard to explain. Like you just look at it, and it just—it's a world you can really get immersed in. It's—it appeals to old-school people while offering something really new. Um, And I think it's something that is also very accessible. Um, It's—you look at it and you think Blade Runner, Cowboy Bebop. It's got all the stuff that you people already know, like noir, sci-fi, all that. But once you play it, it's really immersive. Like it's got this wonderful rainy, moody atmosphere in the. Story is really interesting, so it gets your attention, uh, and then when you actually play it, it immerses you enough that you want to keep playing. So I think that's that's the that's the key thing about Gemini Room. Are you going to have episodic updates
0: in it? I mean, how are you, I mean, since it's breaking all records, are you going to try to adopt this kind of games as a service model to adventure games? Um, you mean publish others? Uh, well, no. Yeah, maybe publish a sequel to it, or even just say, hey, there are weekly updates or. Monthly updates to the content in the game?
1: Um, no, probably not. I mean, it's, it tells a it tells a, a single standalone story, and um, I mean, there could be other stories set in that world, but there's really no need for it. It's just—it would kind of releasing a sequel and doing more would just do a complete disservice to this game. I think it would cheapen it, to be honest. So we will keep it as it is. Um, okay, and where do you see the future of the adventure game market going? I, I don't know. I mean, it's like five years ago. Who would ever have thought that something? like Telltale would exist. I mean, would you ever have expected Monkey Island to come back, Sam and Max to come back? I certainly didn't. Uh, It's it's interesting is when I first started uh, up Wajidai, there were very few people doing what I'm doing, and now it's kind of being taken more seriously. There are more people doing uh, commercial indie adventure games. You have Zombie Cow with Time Gentleman Please. You have uh, Vince 12's Resonance. And other people are, are doing this as well. And it's kind of nice not being the only guy doing it, although that does mean more competition, so I got to step up my game. Sure. But uh, in a way, that's also good because it, it improves my own work. Seeing what else is out there um, makes me want to improve my own stuff. So it's hard to see where it's going because I think people always say that Adventure games haven't uh, really evolved since the 90s. But at the same time, I don't really think they need to, because it's really... A medium for telling a story. Uh, you don't really have to say, a book, "Books have evolved, or movies have evolved." A movie is a movie. There are different. Uh, there's different technologies that go into making them. Uh, people tell different types of. St- uh, people write different types of books, but the actual medium hasn't changed. An adventure game, it could still play like it did in '95 and still tell something new and exciting. So I don't think they really have to evolve. I think. Um, I think we we're just telling telling better stories is all.
0: And where can listeners, you know, check out your games and get a sense of some of these other popular
1: adventure games that you're publishing Sure. Fair. WadgetiGames.com and that's Wadget with a J. W A D J E T iGames.com. So W A D J E T E Y E games.com. Yes. Great. All right. thank
0: you very much. No